morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Wednesday. For those that are here live, welcome to the booth. Thanks so much for joining us. We've been in this world of influence, what it is, what it's not, how it works, how it doesn't work. One of the great misconceptions of influence. One of the things that we discussed yesterday, I was speaking about my aunt, talking about really just how the most influential people are the people that may not be the ones that are uh, on paper, seemingly, you know, standing up on stage. Now, the stage is powerful and important. I don't want to take away from that. And you can get a lot of wisdom from the stage, a lot of things from the stage, but really the influence takes place at the ground. And this is so important if you're a parent. You ask yourself, you know, how do I make my kids better? How do I influence them to be stronger? And parents sometimes get down on themselves. I wish I was more this. I wish I was more that. I wish I was born with more of this. I wish I would give my kids more. Sometimes if you're a teacher, I wish I can give my students this. Sometimes if you're a friend, I wish I can share with my friend how to do this, how to do that. But the truth is, there's no greater way to influence than to model behavior that you want someone else to have. Last night, not to go into it, there was one of my kids got disappointed. They took a certain test and they failed and they should have passed, that type of thing. Happens in life, right? Especially when you're younger. Lots of things take place, a lot of tests, a lot of comparisons, a lot of competitions. And one of my children, who I think should have passed this test, didn't. And it was very disappointing. And I, I was watching them go through the disappointment. And I was thinking about what we've been talking about. And I was saying to myself, you know, I wish I were a better parent. Like, I wish I would have modeled stronger faith. Whoever, whatever it is, I wish I, I could have been stronger in my faith. And if I would have been, you know, at the next level of my faith and been able to always smile no matter what, believe that everything has a purpose, believe in the concept that we've been speaking about here, Gamzula Tova, even this is good. Had I been higher in my, I wouldn't have thought this if we weren't talking about it in the boost. I would have just given my, which I did, given my child advice and sat down with them and hugged them and did whatever I think a parent should do. But after doing all that, because we're talking about this, it dawned on me that in a way I failed as a parent. Well, it's not over. Hopefully I'll be able to parent for a while. But to this point, there was failure. Because if I was stronger in my faith and nothing ever bothered me, and if every time I faced a disappointment, my initial reaction was it'll be okay, my kids wouldn't have known anything else. My kids would have lived in a world where what was modeled for them was stronger faith. So I'm not totally blaming myself, but that's the influence I could have had on them. The words that I use is only somewhat relevant. Real parenting would have been modeling the behavior that I believed that I should become and the behavior that my kids would have gotten. You see this a lot with kids. 
they had challenges and they don't know what to do with them. So they just go back in their brain to see where have they seen challenge before. And usually it's imprints of their parents or a teacher or an aunt or uncle or a grand or somebody. And they go, okay, that's how to do it. Go through it or fail or give up or complain. This happens a lot with complaining. My rabbi wrote in Israel by Levi is big on this. We complain so much for so little. It just gets into our world. You listen to people talk on the phone. If you just listen in sometimes to people's conversations, don't really do it. But like, if you take the the train into work in the morning, it's hard not to, because some people forget that they're not the only people on the train. Or if you're, if you ever like, sometimes you just hear the dumb, I mean, the most, what seemingly is, an incredible amount of complaining for very little. And I'm also guilty. We're all guilty of this. It's almost like complaining is a way of, it's almost like a pride. It shows how hard it is for you. You know, like someone's like shares how hard their life is. So you share how hard your life is. But this complaining creates an influence creates an influence of the people that hear it start to normalize complaining and you don't even realize it just people just complain i was on a a conference call management call not too not too long ago and in the call there was you know five or six top executives at a large company And there was a drop between one piece of one job description. And and the person made a comment, like, what are we, in a kindergarten? I'm thinking, what? A kindergarten? This is a global company. We're talking about making a complicated hire, and it's cross-divisional. We're charting new territory. Kindergarten? It's, it's the way in, in this organization, it's normal to complain. It's, it's what, it's how you operate. It's, it's, it's what makes things normal for you. You just complain. And when you say things that disparage the company, like that's sort of like pride. That's just how, that's just how it is. What are we, kindergarten? It's ridiculous. And I'm thinking like, you said this is a kindergarten? Do you know how hard everyone's working? Do you know how difficult it is to navigate 20 some odd countries? But it's a way. It's a way. It's a way. It's, it's influence. It's a way. It's a modeling. It's everything we do is impacting the world around us. You come home to your spouse. And like they say something that's wrong, and like then you're upset, then they're upset, then you're, and it just spirals. And then the kids hear it, and it's a whole. And there's no way to break out of it because we're stuck in this world of modeling. There's a concept called mirror neurons. Now, one of the incredible things that our brain gives us is the ability to relate to each other, which is why there's great science behind this. I heard this for the first time from the great psychologist, David Pelkowitz. He spoke about this brilliantly once. I was there in the room at a panel 
on the, um, it was, the, the, the topic was called dating in the new you know, world. This is when, in, this is long time ago, like a decade ago, where like people were just beginning, maybe two decades, no, a decade ago. Where like, you know, the whole dating world changed. You didn't call, you know, when I grew up, I had to call my, my wife, my now wife and talk on the phone. Like now you text, you insta- it's a different game. So he spoke about this concept called mirror neurons. How the brain has neurons that fire when you're across from another human being. And what they do is they mirror the person. And this is an incredible gift because people like things that are like themselves. So if I'm talking to you for a while or even for a little bit and my brain's, my, I have neurons that mirror you. Without even being conscious about it, my pace, some of the words that I use, some of the sentences that I have, sometimes the accent a little bit, I, I mirror you. So that means you can get into a flow. You hang out with someone for a week. You pick up their mannerisms a little bit. You know, sometimes even like, you know, a couple starts to like pick up each other's good traits and bad traits. But it's a mirror. You're mirroring. It's not, you know, it's not a light switch, right? But like you're mirroring the person. And by mirroring the person, you are, in a way, you are connecting to them in a deeper level, right? And it's all subconscious. You don't even realize you're doing it. It's an amazing thing. That's, that could be why. I didn't look into this. In, I don't know, but I'm just creating a, a connection here. It could be why we're all tough people. Like we're all super tough behind, you know, the scenes, but you ever get in front of somebody and it's hard. I've done this. It's crazy just how much I've seen this. And me too. Like when you're not next to somebody, you're like, oh my God, I'll tell. When I, next time I see them, I'm going to say A, B, C, D, E. Then you see them and you can barely get A out. You ever have that? Like we're all tough. We're all tough guys until you actually are in front of somebody. So part of that is because you're connecting at a deeper level, but part of that is because the whole experience of being near somebody connects you to them. Subconsciously, your minds, if you will, meld. That's, by the way, one of the reasons why immersion is so powerful, working together is so powerful. And that's something that the market's already seeing. If you're following the whole stay-at-home life and remote, remote commuting, remote uh, work, so far, what the research has shown that when it comes to remote working, it's excellent for getting your work done. Like people are like 10 times more productive and maybe like one-on-one, but like group think and like coming up with great ideas and ping-ponging and really create group think, I'm saying it positively, and really creating some level of connection. It's, it's, it's not doing it. You can't have that same on Zoom. Sometimes maybe, but it doesn't really work. So being with somebody, being around somebody is neurologically connecting you to them. And so when we walk around and we want a better world, we want better relationships, we want a greater culture in our companies, we want a greater environment in our communities, we want our kids to be more resilient, we want our marriages to be more loving, we want 
if I can even take it to the next level, we want a deeper relationship with God. We get lost in thinking that it's the other person who's supposed to be doing it. But maybe the influence is just us deciding what I should send out for somebody to mirror. You know, the famous, you know, uh, example of the guy walking in the street. This is like a philosophical concept that I remember learning about. A man walks into the street and someone bumps into him. Right? And the guy turns around and goes, what are you doing? And the minute he does that, the guy who bumps in immediately gets defensive and he's ready to punch him. Then that same guy roll back the tape walking through the street. The guy bumps into him and turns and goes, are you okay? I'm so sorry. I, is everything just, I guess maybe I wasn't paying. You're good. No problem. Happens. It's a tough, tight street. We're all running. Have a great day. The response to the guy who hit him now is, no, are you okay? Well, what just happened? Is the, is the bumper a mean guy or a nice guy? The bumper can go from being like defense on punching you in the face to are you okay? How? By the reaction of the person starting the conversation. The first person to start the conversation is going to set the tone for the conversation. The person who walks in and goes, I'm so sorry, you okay? The whole conversation now becomes collaborative. Just do a stranger. Happens all the time. Go out and try it today. Next guy's thing, Next time somebody bumps into you. Yesterday I went to, the, uh, to one of the holiest places in, in America. It's called the Ohel. It's the place of the, the bury. It's the, the, the grave of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. I was in the area, stopped by, got a quick prayer in. If you haven't ever been, you should go. Super holy place. And there's a really tiny little grave, tiny. And it happens to be, this is the, to those who are following what's going on in the world of Chabad, this weekend was their annual conference. So all the uh, shluchim, all of the emissaries were all from all over were in town. So you can imagine the grave of the Lubavitcher Rebbe was somewhat full. And we were jammed in there, jammed, pushing, and not on purpose. Like you're trying to pray and like a guy comes in, but there's no room. And he knocks you over. But the feeling in that grave is so strong that no one would think to get upset the feeling was you okay please hold on and you scooch over a little bit in the no room that you have so you're literally like shoulder when i mean shoulder to shoulder i don't mean like shoulder to shoulder like you can move i mean like your shoulder and the guy's shoulder next to you are like lined up against each other shoulder to shoulder with a guy right in front of you where you have to hold the prayer book, literally like in front of your face and it's touching the guy's back. But the reaction, the reaction is we're good. So the whole feeling is we're good. It's all right. We've both been to places where you bump into somebody and you better make sure that you're, you, you, know, you know Krav Maga. 
it's just the you set the tone in some places and the smallest thing sets off the fire you set the tone other places and you're good well guess what we set the tone for our lives that's what we're it's called free will we're given that choice every day set the tone for your life who cares how they react to you who cares what you're getting in response set the tone set the tone for how you want to live someone comes in with negativity figure out a way to make it positive or just book out set the tone you wake up in the morning and you see somebody Set the tone. Set the tone for what you want your day to look like with your loved ones. Set the tone for how you want your kids to get on the bus. Set the tone for how you want to deal with challenge. Hopefully you won't have challenge today, but set the tone now. Walk into my office. But don't think that I got this covered. I'm with you on this one. we're, we're, We're encouraging each other. But this is what influence is. Influence isn't like when you're on, you say something. Influence is I'm responsible. I'm responsible because somebody else's feelings is going to be based on me. That means that I'm going to bring the best out of that person or the worst out of that person. Because the guy who bumps into you and you say, what's wrong with you? You just brought the worst out of him. When a guy brings you a mistake and we go, really? Or someone calls you with like some juicy piece of nonsense and you let them talk it. You, you, you bring the worst out in them. I believe you once told me something credible. I never would have thought of it like this. Someone owed me money. Whatever. I did, I did something for somebody, a deal, and they never paid me. Or they didn't pay me as much as they said. Whatever. And I didn't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up. Like, whatever. Like, it's okay. I'll get it next time. It's uncomfortable. And he said, you're, you're bringing the worst out of them. I said, what are you talking about? He said, they're holding back something that's yours. That's a sin. You're not allowed to not pay somebody when you owe them money. It's a sin. You're, you're enabling them to sin. Because you don't want to have a tough conversation with somebody and hash it out. You're, you're, you're enabling them to be worse. I'm not saying be mean about it, but your actions are bringing out the best or the worst in somebody else. That's influence. That's like real influence. You don't need to write a book on influence to influence. That's the influence that changes lives. The everyday recognition that the way I act will be bringing out the best and the worst in people around me by allowing the negativity. I'm just supporting it by being creative in my positivity, my encouragement, my resilience, my faith, by seeing the best in people, by starting off strong. These are things that are not just going to make me feel better. It's going to set the tone for my life. And me and you know people like this. We know people that 
everything around them is some form of negativity. So when you go near them, like you're ready in complaining mode, because like, that's how you guys, that's how they relate. And we know people that are just so positive or so focused on something more that it doesn't even, it, it doesn't even work. Like you don't even bring up negativity. Like it's like not, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. They've set the tone. That's what we got to do. Set the tone for our day. Whether we're alone or with people. Let's just see, just when we set the tone, how those mirror neurons are going to fire everyone around us. Maybe it will take us a week, maybe a month. Who cares? At some point, people know that when they get near you, your force field is positive. It's resilient. And everything's going to impact from there. All right, everybody. Have an awesome day. God's help. Can't wait to see you again tomorrow. Have a great day.